Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the SportsGrad podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me, as always, for the past 49 episodes and counting is the golden boy, Reuben Williams. How are you today, Rubes? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, thank you for that introduction. Interesting introduction. Why Why have you gone with uh, golden boy? I'm, I'm going to have to get you back for that at some point. Yeah, well, I was thinking during the week of, you know, the significance of episode 50 and the journey we've been on, and I've sort of put it on the same sort of level as the Golden Jubilee. Um, and as we know, the Golden Jubilee being the 50th anniversary of the Queen holding the throne um, is somewhat similar to the achievement of 50 episodes. So <laughs> I hope that's not too extreme for you, but I thought the Golden Boy link was sufficient. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the Queen usually gets a massive celebration outside uh, outside Buckingham Palace. I think... Elton John usually makes an appearance and, and Paul McCartney with a few songs. So uh, I don't know if we deserve the same sort of concert, but um, yeah. I'm well, looking forward to the, the Diamond Jubilee and then I can call you Sparkly or something. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd sort of bring the Diamond Jubilee into it, but um, we're not too far away from the Diamond Jubilee. So you've got 10 episodes to think that through. Um, well, but- <laughs> not, at the rate that we are, not at the rate that we are claiming Jubilees. <laughs> Yeah, well, we might have to wait till the big ton, but um, until until that time, we'll uh, we will press on. So, thank you so much to you, firstly, for for being part of the show today, and for all our previous forty nine episodes. We sincerely appreciate everyone who listens, sends us message, submits questions, and has supported us to get to the point where we've hit fifty episodes. Today, we are talking to Finn Bradshaw about how cricket dot com dot au was built the number one sports platform in Australia across the summer and the opportunities it's created for Finn since then. If you're listening for the first time or the 49th time and thinking, sorry, the 50th time, Rubes, I might have to add there, what is this show? Who are these two guys? The Sports Grad Podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Notre Dame Australia in Perth. Ruben is a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne, and a few years back, we made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together. And now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape or form that may be in the sports industry. You may be forgiven for suggesting we've just gone back to the well by talking to Ruben's first head of department, but Finn Bradshaw is the absolute best in the business when it comes to sports digital. So brace yourself for this introduction. Finn got his start as a journalism graduate, as an editor in a bunch of sport, music and business magazines. He then went on to join national publisher News Limited, which led to the position of national digital sports editor, where Finn managed the content across their major news sites. This role then led to his appointment as the head of digital at Cricket Australia, and over a period of close to six years, Finn led the development of the award-winning CA Live app and cricket.com.au, and even crossed paths with yours truly along the way. 
The results of this remarkable project led to multiple best-in-class products across the globe and the number one sports platform in Australia across the summer. Time for a new challenge, and Finn then did a stint at Tennis Australia as the head of digital strategy before the International Cricket Council called him out recently and ensured Finn stayed within cricket, where he's now placed in Dubai as the head of digital for cricket across the globe. Finn, welcome to the Sports Grade podcast. Hey, guys. That's um, probably the most fulsome introduction I've ever received. Hope I can um, live up to it in some degree. Finn, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on, and we're we're honoured you welcome the call to feature in our fiftieth episode. Uh, Fifty episodes is a big occasion for us, but we're keen to know that you know, given your involvement in cricket, have there been any significant fifties in the past uh, for yourself? Um, in terms of playing the game, I've been fortunate just to get through the game these days compared to when I was younger. Um, but I think when you when you think of your career. You know, um, cricket was the first sport I really fell in love with as a kid. You know, the um, when you join the ICC, one of the nice things they do is they ask every staff member to nominate like a photo that sort of encapsulates their, um, you know, cricket kind of journey, I suppose, or whatever. And I chose a shot of Mike Valletta scoring, um, you know, boundary during his key Quick fire forty odd, I think it was in the in the nineteen eighty seven World Cup final, and, and Mike Valletta was kind of really my guy when I was a, a fan growing up. Which he was no one's guy because really solid player, but like not exciting. Um, but I'd met him and I got a photo with him, and you know I just from then on he was he was my guy. And I, you know I think there's sort of two things about why I chose the Valletta photo is one, just to reinforce yourself that power of inspiration, sport supplies and, you know, that the, the the importance of heroes, you know, like I think everything we do always comes back to that hero, you know, and that, that impact that it has on a kid. And secondly, you know, Valletta he had a great career, like don't get me wrong, you know, played for Australia and all that, but like not exactly a household name, but, on one day, he went from being a relatively dour batsman to, you know, arguably the key batsman in a World Cup winning final, you know, and so that if you just keep putting yourself in positions, you know, you too can sort of have that moment. So I don't know, I guess that's a long-winded answer to it. <laughs> I believe we, we've played one cricket game together, Finn. It was for the Jollymont 60s, I believe, um, <laughs> in a great win over at, uh, I can't remember the ground in Carlton there. Massive ground. Oh, yeah. They would have been tough to score. Um, but yeah, good day <laughs> for the 60s. But um, I'm going to, I'll start with going right back at the, the start of your sort of journey um, and just wondering sort of what were you like as a, as a student growing up and where did you think your career would eventually end up? Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I went to University High in Melbourne. I remember, you know, in year 12, you had to fill out you know, what courses you wanted to apply for. And, yeah, I think I probably would have put if – if I thought I was going to get the marks, I probably would have put down law or something like that because that seemed like the the right thing to do. But I kind of was aware that that probably wasn't going to be an option open to me. Um, and, you know, it's one of those sliding doors moments in a lot of ways. Like I remember talking to a friend of mine and I was kind of looking for the you know, eighth – selection or something to just to fill out the gaps 
And I said, what are you applying for? And she said, oh, journalism at RMIT. And I was like, oh, there's a journalism course? And back then I sort of thought journalism was about writing. Um, and I like to write. And I'd sort of been involved with the student magazine a little bit. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll apply for that. And, and journalism is one of those ones where you had to sit an entrance exam. Fortunately, probably for me, it wasn't just on your um, VCE scores. And so, yeah, I knew enough to kind of bluff my way through those exams and I got into journalism and, you know, met some people who are still really good friends of mine today then, but more kind of really fell in love with that whole storytelling aspect of it, I guess. And so, you know, I wouldn't say I was a particularly dedicated student at RMIT, but I really did a lot of applicable work like I edited the student newspaper which if you've ever done that is just an insane amount of work to do while you're studying I mean I didn't do a lot of studying to be honest I was doing that but I also hosted radio shows on the student radio station did a little bit of stuff with the tv station not too much but you know but then also got started working in the industry you know like I worked for the optometrist association magazine because I mate said they were looking for work, you know, and just tried, you know, like really kind of took advantage of <clears throat> what the university had to offer beyond the classroom. And, yeah, then it sort of – so then once when I'd finished uni, again, it was sort of like the, the law thing, like when you study journalism, the obvious career path is you get a cadetship. I, I don't know even if they offer cadetships anymore, but that seemed to be the only way forward. And I was actually kind of confident I was going to get a cadetship at one of the newspapers in Melbourne, but I didn't. Uh, <clears throat> my then girlfriend at the time got one, but I didn't. Um, and um, and so then I had to kind of work out what to do. But because I'd done the student newspaper primarily and I knew how to lay out a page, this all sounds very old man shouting at clouds at the moment, but knew how to use Quark Express to lay out a page. I got a job on a basketball – the combination of that and that I was a huge basketball fan and I got a job on a basketball magazine that I'd been a massive fan of. So um, I was really fortunate to get that opportunity, but it only became about because of what I'd done outside of the classroom. You mentioned those student papers and radio shows and some of those smaller magazines. What were some of the learnings you took out of those early experiences? Um, it's probably a little bit of the like sort of Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing, you know, like yeah, you only get good by doing, by repetition. Um, and, and the other one is like that, that mentorship in the workplace, you know, like I, I talked about this, the optometrist association, the editor there, you know, they, they did a whole lot of magazines. You wouldn't have thought that the optometrist association did a lot of magazines, but they did like one monthly and maybe four quarterlies. And um, the the editor there, she'd worked at The Age like right way back in its heyday in the 70s when it was arguably one of the top sort of four or five newspapers in the world. And you know, I remember when I first bowled up there and I wrote a story about contact lenses or something and it came back just covered in red marks. But the key bit was it came back covered in red marks. You know, they didn't just correct it and not tell me what it was. And... So even though I was writing about that, about contact lenses or frames or whatever, it had to be a properly um, arranged story, grammatically correct and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, arguably I learnt more in that time than I did ever, you know, during the 
journalism degree. Anyone who who's listened to the Sports Grab podcast knows that we we love to dig, um, we love to to scratch any bit of information we can get from our guests, and that includes going through obviously LinkedIn, Twitter, all all, all sorts of platforms. And um, during the week, a bit of stuff came across my desk, and I found uh, this little gem from May this year, and it says this: so. Whenever I hire young journos, I'd always look for people who were, who'd worked at a local paper because chances are you'd been trained right, had a massive work ethic, and didn't shirk responsibility. So that was on your Twitter. What's the reality, um, you know, sort of day to day and week to week of some of those unglamorous roles that might seem pretty ordinary, ordinary at the time, but as you say, set you up to be an ideal employee? I think some of the things you learn at something like this local paper, like I remember I was working at the Melbourne Times, which was you know, delivered to sort of inner Melbourne, and I was pretty green behind the ears, and so they sat me at the desk, which was the desk for all the complaints from the public. You know, it was the number that was published in the paper if you had an issue with what was in the paper. And so you spent all day just picking up the phone to people who'd be complaining about, you know, relatively minor things, but also... You know, one stage we, you know, put the wrong answers to the crossword in or something like that. And so, like, it was kind of like social media before, I mean, feedback, a feedback loop before social media existed. So you became really aware of your audience. Um, you know, maybe skewed, but it's probably skewed in the same way Twitter is. Um, so, that you know, so you kind of get that sort of, you know, touch of everything, I guess, working in those smaller organisations where you have to be able to do everything at the drop of a hat. But you're also, you know, I'd say in some of the bigger organisations, you feel a long way removed from the audience, but there you felt really, really close to them. But also, again, like, you know, and this is going to be probably a recurrent theme, you just work with some really experienced people and they might be a small paper, but they, they were professionals. They took it super seriously. And I think that, you know, is something that sort of, you know, that just be a pro, be a pro, turn up every day, you know, just keep coming back at it. Yeah, and so like you know, um, you know, I had a small role in guys like Sam Landsberger, Gilbert Gardner, um, and you know probably some others that I'm forgetting right now. But the Herald Sun, you know, I you know came across them when they were working at us, a local paper, gave them the opportunity to do a bit of casual work at the Herald Sun, and then you know from then it was all their work that got them now. You know where they write back page stories for the Herald Sun. But, yeah, I, I trusted in what they're training because of where they've been working. Finn, those early journalism days sound quite different to, to what you do at the moment. When did your interest start to broaden from, you know, creating content and writing articles to, you know, full-blown digital strategy, product creation and commercialisation? Well, it actually started quite early in that, you know, when, as I said, like my first job out of uni was working for, basketball magazine called one-on-one that people my age will remember um and then that was sold and moved to sydney and so i had to sort of work out how to earn a a buck and so i was doing a bit you know any casual work i could pick up but i me and a mate started an agency an agency we started a business and we sort of knew websites and this is around 2000 2001 you know the websites were going to be a thing so, you know, we taught ourselves HTML and Flash was a really big technology back then. You had to have a really 
fancy like um, one minute animation when you went to a website back then. Um, and, and then I also one of my casual jobs was working on the NBL website way back then where we live streamed every game of the NBL. Um, so that, that sort of had always been there. But then, um, yeah, then I went to a full time into magazines and, but I kind of continued to be a consumer of digital, I guess. Um, and so it was then I was editing Triple J's magazine, which was an amazing job, like just amazing. Um, everything you'd want, um, in terms of the free reign of creativity, the, the access to, you know, heroes, all of that. Um, but you could just see this decline in its circulation. And I felt like I just could, I couldn't work out what lever I could pull to, to change, reverse the decline in circulation. And I could have maybe reflected internally a bit more, but I kind of felt it was probably systemic. Um, and so I kind of really actively thought I should probably move into this other area. Um, and so, you know, like I, I sort of had an interest in it, but, I'd, um, but then it was a really conscious decision that I should get into that. And so that's when I, when I went to work at the AFL website for a little bit and then came back to News Corp to do the Super Footy um, website to start off with. And that was when I started, it was me and a couple of casuals on weekends. And yeah, that was some long, long days, long weeks, long years <laughs> getting that up and running. But, um, but it was a conscious, like, look ahead, see where the industry's going decision can you tell us a little bit about um the the start of your sort of career at cricket australia um was there a was there a job ad that sent that's basically said we want five million youtube subscribers in the next six years or um sort of what was that appointment process like and, and what was the the remit when you when you began yeah i think it's me landing out there is a really good example for people of just Stay in touch with people who you like in the industry. Um, Steph Beltrami, who's head of um, media, or head of commercial, I guess, essentially at Cricket Australia now. What one of those early jobs I had was was working on the, um, the match day programs for cricket, and um, you know the ones they sell at the matches. And Steph was my contact for getting the magazine signed off, um, and we just sort of stayed in touch. Like not, I would not have called us friends. I'm you know, grateful to, be able to say that we are now, but we're you know, not at the friend stage. But um, and so when you know, and then she just went on this meteoric rise, and you know, kind of just kept kicking goals. And so when she um, when they did the deal with Nine, like the sort of second to last cricket broadcast deal in Australia, which was this you know huge huge deal, you know, I reached out and said, you know, congratulations, let me buy your lunch. And I'd sort of got to the stage of news where I was sort of starting to think maybe I wanted to try something else. You know, like I just sort of felt, again, that media was constricting and I should start seeing what else I might do and it felt like the right stage to maybe take a risk in something else because I could always go back to journalism. I'd done enough there. And we were, you know, we're having lunch and she just said, how are you going? And I kind of told her that. And she said, oh, there might be something coming up here. And, and I'm not sure I would have either been aware of it or whether I would have had the confidence to really go at it. But her saying that kind of gave me a lot of confidence. And so, you know, I was fortunate that the CA wanted someone to set up a media unit. They didn't want someone who could code a website. So, like, my background sort of fell into that. And then, you know, the greatest 
fortune that I've probably had in my career was that I, you know, got to work with Ben and Mafia and James Sutherland, who just the sheer faith they put in me, um, you know, it was phenomenal. And I think sort of gave me confidence to be able to do something that was, you know, a, a significant sort of change in my career. Um, and I had to do a bit of on-the-job learning. Um, but, yeah, but I, mean, I think a combination of this, the faith they had in me and then the support, you know, the guys who were there early, you know, Kane Washington, Cal Cannonook, Ben Wise, Dave Middleton, and Burnett can go on and on and on. And Goldfinch, I feel like I'm going to miss someone here. Fee Goldfinch, when she got over her distrust of me. Um, you know, like the support they gave me as I kind of worked out what we were going to do, you know, kind of enabled the success, you know, whatever role I had in the success, you know, enabled that to happen. Um, but, yes, in terms of sort of me landing in that, I'd say to people, like, just – just stay in touch with people, you know, that that one of the great things about sport as an industry is how supportive people are, you know. You know, I'm going to name drop here, but, like, you know, I had a call last week with the CTO of the NBA and, you know, how open and transparent they are. I know it's partly because I don't think they see cricket as a threat, but, um, but it's also just that the industry has a really great sort of culture around giving each other a hand because, you know, we – Kind of all, you know, we're just not really competitors in a lot of ways. Totally. And I think Ryan and I have both kind of been on the receiving end of some of that, that faith from different people and, and the, um, I guess the welcome, welcoming nature of a lot of people in sport that kind of allow those opportunities to, to develop. Um, but Finn, when you, when you got to cricket, how did you begin to, to lay the, the foundations at the start and, and start to develop the strategy? What, what was the process of that development like? Um, yeah, again, like, you know, it's fortunate to sort of have the support of Ben Amafio and, and Sam Walsh, who set up AFL Media, was doing a bit of consulting. So I sort of, you know, was fortunate for their, their support into working that through. But I would say the one thing I was confident about is that I knew how to build a team and lead a team and confident also in what I knew and what I didn't know. And so therefore sort of how to kind of augment my strengths and weaknesses um, with the right people. But I'd say like the one thing that I pretty consistently got right at say I was the hiring, you know, like I think um, not only did we hire pretty talented people, but we may got, you know, the people flourished for the most part working there, you know, and so I think, you know, like I'm, I'm super proud that, you know, the head of content there now is, you know, Cal Kalanilk who, you know, he's worked at CA since he was like a, you know, accreditation intern. But, you know, we provided an environment where he could really kind of develop into the gun that he is today. Um, you know, and so I think, you know, like that's probably the thing I've taken most is like, you know, you know it's a whole like <clears throat> cliche culture eat strategy for breakfast, but I believe that's absolutely right. Like, you know, I believe in you hire the right people, you know, like, hire the right people and kind of work out their roles later to some degree, like um, talent and attitude overcomes perfect fit. Um, but then the other part was this, you know, like a, a digital, <coughs> excuse me, digital is all about empathy. You know, like whether you're designing a product or whether you're um, creating content or, you know, like it's empathy for your audience if you don't have that. And, yeah, in my bones, I'm a sports fan and particularly a cricket fan. And so, 
you know, kind of was easy early on. Like you're just really kind of designing something for what I want to see. You know, what would I, you know, again, like I'm really lucky I've not had to sort of go to like an insurance company and try and put myself in the shoes of someone who's just lost their house and they want to, you know, like it's a very important job to do, but it's a lot harder. I kind of get to just keep coming back to what would I like to see? Do I dig that? That, that makes it a bit harder when something like TikTok comes up because then I feel like an old bloke who doesn't get it. <laughs> Finn, given, given your, uh, your eye for, for hiring, if I'm, a, if I'm a student listening right now and I think that, you know, I'm thinking what do I need to do to impress someone such as yourself, what, what are some of the key things that, that you're looking out for? So I'm going to give you a bit of an answer that if people have heard me on um, other podcasts recently or similar, they've probably have heard this, but like the be like Shay Serrano, you know, the guy who writes for The Ringer. Um, I don't know if you know his backstory, but he was a teacher. Um, he, um, I think he had kids coming and he, or he, you know, he just wanted to earn extra money. So he literally Googled jobs you can do part-time and writer came up. And he's like, hmm, I'd like to be a writer. And then he just started just sending stuff to street paid press over there, you know, street magazines, and just hustled and just hustled and hustled and hustled. And, um, you know, and then his talent and hard work, you know, got him to where he is now where he's, you know, writing and doing podcasts for The Ringer. But if you also look at his – you combine that with his social media. Like I think he uses social media as well as anyone in the world in terms of two things. One – the way he builds his brand. Like if you follow that, you've got a very clear idea of who Shay Serrano is and also you, he is memorable because of it. But secondly, he uses it to do good. Like he raises money, like incredible amounts of money to help people out. And, um, you know, and I, I think, you know, like that's a thing we should all aspire to do, to have that sort of global impact the way he does. But, yeah, you know, it's, you know, you, you have to create. Yeah, so, you know, the downside, if you want to get into sport, you know, sports media is that there's not as many traditional jobs as there used to be, but I'd argue there's more overall jobs because every team needs a content creator now, every, you know, every organisation's a publisher, and it's easier to, you know, publish things because you don't get paid for it necessarily, but it's just easier to do it. And so... um yeah, so the two things you know I'd be looking for is just what have you done? Like I don't, I don't really care when you're young who you are or how you present an interview. I'll only care about what you've done. Um, and then, and secondly, you know, the first thing I'm probably going to go and do is check out your social media feeds, and you know that that, that better reflect the kind of person I want to hire, and that's sort of a combination of kind of someone who's clearly engaged, but also someone who, how should I put it, shows good judgment. Um, and so, yeah, I think, but, you know, don't don't be afraid just to try and make connections with people. I think, you know, like in the right way, don't hassle people unnecessarily, but work hard, try and make connections, grab any opportunity you get. Yeah, you're an example of that, Ruben, you know, like. Oh, thank you, Finn. <laughs> what, yeah. Was there anything on Ruben's socials that sort of sparked <laughs> some sort of interest for you, Finn? I, I think no. it was in private at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a sign that you know. Well, that's a sign, of, a sign of good judgment. That's judgment, a good judgment, yeah. Ruben, yeah. <laughs> that was, it was Mike Morris who advocated for Ruben. He, he was 
Ruben's, you know, and I trusted Mike. And that's, yeah. So everyone got a job. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to, to Mike. He, he will be listening, no doubt. He'll be listening. Um, absolutely. So, um, Finn, was there anything along the way that surprised you, uh, you know, in regard to the way people were using CA's platforms and engaging with our content? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, hmm. I don't think it surprised me. I think, no, no, it's, it's funny. Like, I'd, I'd like to sort of answer that in a way that was a real insight. I think, you know, there's probably along the way the, you know, like the, the, the stuff that you'd expect, I guess, is always cut through. You know, they like to hear from players. They like to see highlights. Probably the volume of consumption, you know, like, I would say early on, I was probably still from a newspaper or magazine mindset a bit where you think, even though I'd been working in digital for News Corp, it was still from a, you know, and this is probably one of the reasons why it's taken some of those legacy companies a while to really get digital um, from this mindset that a reporter would write a story a day pretty much, and that was it. Um, and and so we, I always felt there was almost like kind of this people – would consume a certain amount of content in a day and you had to try and, you know, once that was it, that was the end of it. And so, you'd, you know, one of the big tipping points was when we just, you know, went from four Facebook posts a day to 24. You know, like we, we did a really rapid acceleration and like that was probably not, you know, the same with YouTube. You know, we would think, oh, we've got to have one good video a day and you know, pour endless amount in there, uh, you know, depending on what you want to get out of it. Yeah, so it's probably just people's, sheer amount of consumption and it was I remember one of the really pleasing things was being able to not have to care about when the newspaper came out anymore you could just publish it when people wanted to read it not when um not to it's kind of fit in with a business model that and you to be fair like the newspaper still made a lot more money than online back then so there was a reason why they're doing it but if you maybe maybe if you're taking a longer strategic view you might change that Finn, after, after cricket, you then had interest from Tennis Australia and then again from the ICC um, to lead D- digital in each of those organisations. Um, my guess is that your period at Cricket Australia was, was an excellent case study for, for you to present. What, what were some of the key things that uh, you highlighted uh, to those organisations? I reckon always the thing you want to be able to talk about is the things you do differently because I reckon that's actually a more interesting thing than like, you know, because if, if you say... I did this thing and got this outcome. Um, I mean, if you do that repetitively, you know, you, and I got this really great outcome. If you do that repetitively, that's probably a good sign. But if you only do it one or two times, it's hard to say whether that's because you're really good at what you're doing or you just hit, you know, uh, pay dirt, you know, if you're just lucky. Whereas if you can talk about what you learned from something that didn't work so well, um, then, you know, in a way that's often a more powerful story to say. And so, you know, I think um, – you know, being able to reflect on, you know, if I had my time again, how would I do it? Um, you know, and so I think, you know, I'd say the um, that probably, you know, kind of obviously made it relatively, com- you know, that that aligned with what we'd achieved at, at tennis. I think, you know, sort of because, again, I said the numbers kind of are there, but when they're seeing an interview with me, they've got to work out how instrumental was I to that. Um, and then secondly, am I a person they want to work with? You know, like I think probably that second one is sort of the, the key a bit when you get to a certain stage. 
because there's a point at which you, you, you're known in in the industry, and so then sort of those you know like my interviews for both of those jobs were just co- were coffees with people. You know, they're not a sit down in a boardroom and you know, and in that, that's just people getting to know you and trying to work out whether you're the kind of person they want to work with and you know, do they think the way that you think about things is aligned to their vision of the company, I guess. So a lot of it is just sort of talking about, you know, your philosophy on you know, digital or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I guess, again, that's sort of a reps thing, right? Like it all comes back to that. And so because I'd done that at CA um, and, you know, sort of, had to articulate why we're doing things and what we hope to achieve and, you know, how we do it differently over and over again. You kind of get comfortable in, in, in doing that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, like, again, if you're sort of, if you're whatever level of job you're going for, it's not, you know, you, you need to talk through not just what you've done but why you chose to do it. It's actually interesting. We're, the moment the ICC, we're going through a, a tender process for agencies. And it's still amazing so many agencies will come in and just do a deck of, like we had one come in that was like, in the last year we've produced, you know, we, we've been responsible for 5 billion video views or one of those insane sort of social media numbers. And I actually asked them like, well, are you responsible for it or are the rights holders responsible for it? Because if you've got amazing highlights, well, you know, it's nice you publish them, but you can't really say it was you. You know, and so... They're just talking about the outcome. They're not talking about how they got there. Whereas the agency that can come in and really articulate, this is what we want to do and here's the things we did and then we got this outcome. Well, that's an interesting story. Don't just tell me that, you know, someone entrusted you with really great content and, and happened to get a lot of views on YouTube. I like what you said there about um, sort of having a, basically you had a coffee and you had to share your philosophy on something and I think that's kind of it's crucial for any sort of student or someone looking to get a job now to, you know, if you're in that position to be able to share your thoughts on something. So if you want to get into a certain area, the why, like why do you want to actually get into that? And I think that probably becomes more and more sort of crucial as you progress in your career. I mean, just on that, I think, I think that's probably the biggest challenge for, for people trying to get into the industry at the moment is actually understanding why they want to work in sport because a lot of people kind of look at the industry as this glitzy and glamorous place and then find out once they're inside it that it's probably not what they seemed. Um, but I think, yeah. again, it kind of lends itself to what you said, Finn, that if you can explain what your connection is to sport and tell a story about that, well, that's a point of difference that you've got over someone else who just wants to hang out with Steve Smith or whoever. When I was hiring journalists back in the day, you'd say to people, "What? why are you in journalism? Why do you want to be? The answer you did not want to hear was because I like writing because journalism is not. You know, I think it's said earlier, it's not about writing, it's about finding out information. So, like, you know, basically the answer you wanted to hear was because I want to know stuff. And so you can work on the writing. But you, could, you couldn't really work. If, if people weren't genuinely inquisitive, you can't teach that. But you can, te- you know, <laughs> talk to some of the greatest journalists in the country, you know, and maybe not the greatest writers, but they have a way of connecting with people and getting those people to tell them their story, and that's the thing that matters. So, yeah, I think, you know, a bit of self-introspection helps. Mm. And, and that's where, you know, showing your personality on things like your cover letter and, and your resume, for those who have probably gone through more formal processes other than just a, a coffee catch-up, 
um, using those documents wisely to, you know, to display a bit of your flair and your personality and show a bit about who you are becomes really important other than just kind of showing yourself as a robot who can do a certain job for however many days a week. I would say the most important thing is to, yeah, and I think everyone will tell you this, so it's not, but I'll repeat it because you still don't see it is not what did you do, but, you know, what did you, you know, what were the outcomes of what you did? You know, like not just what your role was, what was your impact on the business? You, you know, like you've got to show that. Uh, you know, so I'll be blunt here. When I get in resume, first, I don't I don't even look at the cover letter when I first get it. I just go to what, you know, your list of where you've worked and how do you talk about where you've worked. Then I'll probably come back to the cover letter. But like that and it eats the nuts and bolts of what you've done, you know, like – that'll get you an interview and then in the interview then it's about who you are as a person really and how you think and all that sort of stuff. But like think really hard about articulating, yeah, not just that you worked at a place but how did what you did ladder up to the business's objectives. Yeah, awesome. All all so relevant like today and we've spoken a lot sort of Ruben at, at length about sort of resume tactics and all that kind of thing so um it's good hearing that as well finn uh, when you started at ca w- was it always your plan to basically create a, an awesome example of your work that would ultimately help you propel your career forward no like i think kind of believe in the you know like if you're not focused in trying to be great kind of each each moment you know, i wouldn't say i live up to that but that's the way you try like you know folk you know, it's sort of that kind of craftsman thing of like focus on what you're doing now. Um, you know, you've got to have an eye to what you're trying to create. But I, th- I really believe if you're focused on what that means to you, you've lost your way. Like you shouldn't be doing that because of what it will look like in your CV or the stories you'll get to tell down the track or because someone will invite you on their 50th podcast. Um, <laughs> you... You should be doing because you, you have pride in the work you're doing each and every day. Um, and so, you know, I did it because, you know, I, I loved it. You know, like I, I've, I've been so fortunate that I've worked in jobs that I've loved all the way through. Um, but do it because you believe in the work and you want to be, you want to produce something good every single day. Yeah. And then, and then the other stuff around like long term, like, yeah, try and carve out time. Um, if I can give people a, a bit of you know advice, um, go and follow Nick Crocker on Twitter. He's a venture capital guy in Melbourne, and he writes. So subscribe to his newsletter; it's really really good. But he, find somewhere he's articulated this thing called the elephants about how he works with his mates to um, sort of keep aligned with sort of long term goals and how they're tracking towards that, um, and. And so, like, they have this sort of quarterly check-in and then sort of yearly and stuff like that. But it's, it's a, there's a discipline that they have around sort of tracking long-term goals, but it's not thinking about it every day. And I think that's quite a good balance to get, whereas, you know, in the day, in the day-to-day, you're focused on executing as well as you can, but you then make sure you have these regular check-ins to see kind of is my career going where I want, is my personal life going where I want, is, you know, as a person, am I, how am I going there? And so because you know on that that you've got those regular check-ins then, you don't – it kind of clears your mind a bit on the day-to-day um, to sort of focus on the things that you really need to do to 
be good at work, to be a good partner, be a good dad, you know, all those other things that, you know, make a life. I think that's great advice and we'll um, we'll include a link to Nick Crocker's uh, Twitter profile in the show notes for people who want to want to check that out. Finally, Finn, we want you to step into the shoes of a student who has just graduated in the middle of a pandemic. Jobs have been cut and, on, and uh, opportunities have unfortunately been slashed. If you were a young person today, what steps would you be taking to develop a career in sport for yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, so I've said it a few times, just – I think, you know, think through sort of, you know, why you want to be in there. Because, like, you know, um, I think it's like Scott Galloway sort of said, you know, like the world always needs tax accountants. No one loves being a tax accountant, but, like, if if you can be good at a tax accountant and live with it, that, you'll have a fantastic – of a tax lawyer, I think you're saying. You know, you, you'll have a fantastic life, you know. Like, you'll earn a lot of money, you know, and that'll probably enable you to do things that, you know, create your life. So be clear on why you want to do it, you know, because maybe that's going to be, um, you know, that don't, don't waste your energy if, if actually there's other things that will make you happier or that you'll be good at. You know, I think that's, sort of, you know, that's again part of that sort of Scott Galloway advice is sort of don't find what you're passionate about, find what you're good at. And so, you know, that's probably going to be a better path to do. So, so that's one thing. And then if, if sport still, you know, ticks all those boxes. You know, it's just how do you find ways to to get practice at what you want to do? And that's, you know, your local club, you know, volunteer. You, you have to start that, you know, like, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get paid to do – well, maybe I did get paid to do this newspaper, but it wasn't that much. But, it, you know, like it was an insignificant amount of money. Um, but, you know, like I didn't get paid to do the student radio. I didn't get – you know, you just hustle. Just hustle. I think that comes out of the book, uh, The Algebra of Happiness, which I believe you recommended to me when we chatted in, in oh. June, June or July. So, um, yeah, you'll be, you'll be happy to know. I, I went and bought the book and, and read it. And um, Is this the book that um, you recommended to me as well, Ruth? I think so. I think, I think so. so. <laughs> so that, that's come from Finn. <laughs> Go good. Yeah, no, I think there's, a lot, there's some stuff in there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I remember that section talks about no one starts out being passionate about tax law, but if you do it long enough and you're good at it, you'll eventually become passionate about it. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Love it. It's a, it's a, it's a ripper note to, to end on. Um, so yeah, we will leave it there, Finn, but thank you so much for your time. Um, we loved hearing about your journey in sport and, and all the success you've had at each organi- organization that you've been at. Um, really enjoyed hearing how you really took those opportunities early on as a, as a uni student. Um, and as you said, just keep being a pro, keep turning up, um, which is a great sort of lesson. Um, your advice on sort of resumes and job applications as well is just invaluable. So thank you very much for being part of the, the 50th Sports Grad podcast episode. It's a pleasure. I was just going to say I'll leave you with it. I think it was David Halberstam, one of the great journalists, quote was, a professional is someone who does their job even when they don't feel like doing it. So if you follow that advice, you'll do all right. It's a great note to end on. All righty. Well, thank you very much again, Finn, and, and thank you very much for listening as well. A reminder to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any future episodes Drop us a rating and leave us a review. It really does mean so much and helps us put together the show for you with more sensational guests such as Finn. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad Podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 